0: The Amherst Lake crop circle that occurred in Bavaria just a few years ago. What it is, is it's a representation of the Large Hadron Collider. You know, when people look at crop circles, they appreciate it from the artistic end, but a lot of people don't look deeply enough into these to realize that they convey real information, important information. The book sort of helps people um, understand that particular aspect of crop circles, but it also helps you know why some of these crop circles are not being created by human beings, and it gives very good evidence as to why that cannot be.
1: Dr. Richard O'Connor has a book. This is very timely. This is UFOs, Nuclear Weapons, and a New Age of Reason. This is on the CropCircleResearchFoundation.org. That's the name of the blog, the name of the uh, webpage. I'm going to direct you to right now, but the book is available through Amazon, and I just want to uh, dive into this with the background of Jesse Marcel, and there's so much to get into here that, Dr. O'Connor, would you please, and thank you very much for talking with me, give us your background, who you are, and what you do.
0: So, yeah, thanks, Wendy, for having me on. Um, My background is as a uh, physician anesthesiologist uh, who worked here in Helena, Montana, at St. Peter's Hospital, Uh, from 1988 through 2015. And, uh, when I first arrived here, I, uh, started working in the operating rooms at St. Peter's. And one of the surgeons that I worked with was, uh, Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr., who not too long after I, uh, moved here, uh, and had been working, uh, came to my attention that he was the individual who, at age 11, was living in Roswell in 1947 when the Roswell UFO event took place. And um, his father was the, uh, the Major Jesse A. Marcel Sr., who was assigned to go out and look at the debris field and picked up all the debris out of the desert and brought it home and laid it down on the kitchen floor and showed it to uh, Jesse Marcel Jr., who I got to know here in Helena over a period of, I think I knew him about close to 30 years. And uh, so I got to know him very well. You know, we worked together frequently. And um, when, uh, when I learned that he, he was that person who, who saw this material and held it in his hands and listened to his father. Uh, tell him what he thought it was that he thought it was a you know quote flying saucer unquote um you know of course i was interested in the story and and so i talked to him about it on more than one occasion and um you know i just became convinced um that the story was true because i got to know the man and uh his work in the operating room and his uh his demeanor as a father, uh, to a a large uh, family. And, um, you know, we were friends and I just, I know that he's not a liar. And so that kind of piqued my interest in the UFO phenomenon in general, uh, back in the the late eighties and, um, kind of stayed interested in it all along. And, um, Then I began, you know, as I was paying attention to it, I began hearing um, from people like Robert Hastings who wrote the book uh, UFOs and Nukes and um, produced a film called UFOs and Nukes, The Secret Link Revealed. And I I watched that documentary and I heard his interviews with these military officers who were stationed at various um, nuclear missile installations uh, around the country talk about how ufos would come over and disable u.s nuclear missiles and of course i found that pretty shocking um and you know began like anybody would who becomes aware of that um to question why they would be doing that and um then i began um Well, even before I came to Helena, I was involved with a group called Physicians for Social Responsibility, um, back in the early eighties that was, um, trying to draw people's attention to the dangers of nuclear war and how, you know, what a threat that presents to our, not just to our country, but to our entire civilization on earth and, um, Anyway, uh, as time went on and I learned uh, more and more about the UFO phenomenon and read more about it um, and talked to people who have seen them and had personal experiences with them, I just became increasingly convinced that it's real and and that uh, it's important and that these instances, when they've shut down our nuclear missiles, have an important message behind them. And so when the pandemic came along and I kind of got shut into, you know, as, as we all did, um, I spent a lot of time in my study and I thought, you know, I'm just going to write a book about this and just put down my thoughts on paper about um, the relationship between UFOs, nuclear weapons, and where I, as a, a citizen, a, you know, a dweller on this planet Earth, um, think that we should be headed with this issue about whether we should have nuclear weapons. And one of the um, NGO sort of um, nonprofits that I like to support is the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. Um, They're based in Geneva, Switzerland. And um, they played an integral part in getting passed through the United Nations the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, which became ratified and went into uh, force on January of 2021. And any country that signs on to that treaty, of which now I think there have been maybe about 55 countries, unfortunately none of them are nuclear-armed countries, but um, 55 nations have signed on to that agreement that they will not house nuclear weapons in their country. They will not um, aid any country that does um, harbor nuclear weapons. And um, I think we need to see every country in the world sign on to that treaty uh, because I feel like if we don't do that, that uh, eventually nuclear weapons, uh, you know, are an existential threat to not only the survival of human civilization on earth, but to the survival of so many millions of species that have evolved on this planet, which has taken billions of years to accomplish. And it just seems like a a cosmic uh, catastrophe. If we were to unleash a nuclear war on this planet that, that destroyed all of it, you know. And uh, one of the, one of the um, studies that I cite in the book is a study that was done not too long ago about a very limited nuclear exchange between, a hypothetical exchange between India and Pakistan that involved, I think it was uh, 350 um, nuclear weapons that would be around 100 kilotons. And what would happen if something like that occurred and it's a disaster just that limited of a nuclear exchange would change you know through the nuclear winter effect would would affect the climate of the world for 10 years and it would reduce uh food supplies billions of people would starve to death um, millions of people within just a week time in both india and pakistan of course would would die so you know this is something that is so serious uh that people kind of shut it out of their minds you know and you hear people say well that can't happen because the cold war ended back in um 1989 when when the uh, ussr dissolved well that's not a fact you know this is still going on and now with ukraine uh, we're seeing it once again rear its ugly head in a very uh, tangible way when this theory of nuclear weapons stabilizing the war and reducing the number of hot wars we have um, and this idea of mutually assured destruction being, uh, you know, really all it is is it's just an assumption that this won't happen because uh, of this this premise of, of mutually assured destruction. Well, now we have a world leader who is threatening to use nuclear weapons to accomplish his geopolitical goals, Vladimir Putin and the United States and NATO are kind of being held kind of, you know, at bay really by Putin through his threats of using nuclear weapons. So, you know, as Colin Powell, General Colin Powell, said, "Nuclear weapons are useless." Well, actually, in my opinion, they're worse than useless because now they're being used against NATO to threaten us and um, make NATO kind of a, a lot less effective. I think than what they might have been did if if nuclear weapons didn't exist and vladimir putin couldn't make those kinds of threats so i think they're worse than worthless and i think our world needs to get rid of them and so that's why i wrote this book um that i think would be a good book for people to read and think about the implications of nuclear weapons i would also add just briefly that the book also comes in a, it comes in a print and an ebook format, and I would really recommend people if they're going to buy the book and try to read it that they use the ebook format if they are at all familiar with that because it's got you know probably hundreds of links to data online that helps to um, support the arguments that are made in the book and of course following those links from a print. You know, book is going to be yeah. very time consuming Labor. and not, yeah. So, I would recommend the ebook.
1: UFOs, nuclear weapons, and a new age of reason, and that's available on Amazon. It's a Kindle book, and one click, nine fifty is the price on Kindle. Uh, it, the thing about this is, I don't know that they ever considered that the nuclear weapons would be used as leverage, but that's ec- incredibly effective right now. That's what's happening. They're stymied because they're afraid that he'll do it. Well. One way or the other, fear or not, he's got the power with just saying and implying that if you do anything to stop me, I'm going to bomb, you know, and that's it. And it's like, well, how do we come to this? I like your book, The Preface, where you say, um, and this is pretty much blatant, that a nuclear bomb, if you're listening, you have one strapped to your back. I have one strapped to my back, and Richard, you have one strapped to your back. We don't think about it like that, but that pretty much spells it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, even all of these countries around the world that don't have nuclear weapons, all of their citizens have nuclear weapons strapped to their backs, you know. Um, this is a worldwide existential threat to humanity and to the biosphere of this planet. And we just can't, we just can't go on like this for much longer before something's going to happen. And, You know, one example that I give in the book is one day I went to work at the hospital and the fire alarm uh, water sprinkler system had been activated because somebody started a, a fire in a metal garbage can. Well, somebody could have gone over there and just poured a glass of water in the garbage can. But before anybody could do that, the smoke activated the fire alarm system, dumped, you know, thousands of gallons of water on hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of expensive medical equipment in the um, GI suite, you know, where they do endoscopies and stuff like that. And, um, you know, all of this equipment just got ruined and nobody knew how to shut it down. And it took them a couple of hours before somebody finally figured out what valve to turn to shut off the, uh, the water system, you know. Well, that was just something that resulted from, some thoughtless act you know somebody tossed a cigarette or something into a garbage pail and all of a sudden you've got this cascade of events that are taking place that results in 10 i don't know you know tens of thousands at least dollars worth of equipment being destroyed and it took a while to get it under control well Those that think that the only way that we will ever have a nuclear disaster on this planet is if somebody deliberately pulls the trigger, I think they're mistaken. I think it's just as likely and perhaps more likely that it'll come about from human error or some electronic glitch in some monitoring system that is a false alarm. And, you know, we're just, we're walking a line here that, is just absurd you know the stakes in this are just unbelievably off the scale and uh i just don't believe that that we will survive as an intelligent civilization if if we if we continue down this road
1: i want to kind of switch directions here and go into the ufo element and the et element because there are people, contactees, who have said over and over again. The message they get is that we need to step back. We need to draw down. We need to continue to focus on the environment and our surroundings and our communities and our people. And we need to learn how to get along, to love each other. There's more to this than just shooting everything and anything. And that's a consistent message. Uh, The so when you have been and you were involved with Jesse Marcel in the library, this is jaml.org, Jesse Marcel Library, you're now in charge of that. What does the library have?
0: Um, well, it's, you know, mainly it is just the library with all of the books and the videos on the subject of UFOs that I've collected over the years, and people are able to come and, and check those out and, and um, have access to, to that information. You know, it's probably a much larger collection of UFO-related information that you would find at your public library, for sure. Um, but I think more importantly, for years, the the Jesse Marcel Library has served as a place where citizens in our local area could gather to discuss and uh, talk about uh their own experiences, or learn more from other people's experiences. So, for years, we actually had weekly meetings there um, to to do these these um, to enter into these discussions, um, or someone would would present new information that we thought everybody should be aware of. Um, it was pretty time consuming and in certain ways I was kind of relieved when the pandemic came along (laughs) and, um, I was, you know, I had a very good reason to say, you know, we, we were going to have to stop, um, meeting and, um, just wait for this pandemic to go away. Uh, which really I would say only now, uh, Have we gotten to a point where I personally am comfortable inviting people back to the Jesse Marcel Library and um, beginning to um, resume having meetings there, um, which I've been sort of thinking very seriously about um, just even over the past few days? Uh, I think it's a, it's a great venue for people to get together. We have we have a building, you know, that's kind of dedicated to this. Um, it's heated. It has light. Uh, it's um, something that uh, it's a building that I own, and so you know, I don't I don't have to pay rent there or something. Uh, so it's sort of an ideal situation for people that are interested in the subject to get together. Um, what I've been Trying to think of doing is seeing how I can expand the um, the impact and the significance of the Jesse Marcel Library to a much wider audience than our local community here in Helena, Montana. You know, I mean, this is a town of thirty thousand people, sort of out in the sticks, relative to the rest of the country. You know, and uh, I think. It is time, really, that um, this needs to become a meeting place for citizens to come and not only get together and discuss and learn about UFOs, but also to express their thoughts and their opinions and their ideas about where our country and where our representatives in Congress and in our state legislatures need to be going with this, you know, Uh, because I think we've gotten to a point now where it's extremely important that our representatives, uh, our political representatives begin to hear from people and know that there are lots and lots of people that are interested in this and have opinions about, uh, about where we should be headed with this and know that, you know, We have their back when they take a political risk and go out and begin talking about UFOs, as, for example, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand has recently done and Senator Marco Rubio have done. Um, We need to see more of that, and we need to make sure that our representatives in Congress realize how important it is for them to gain control over this entire issue, you know, because they have not had control over it, um, but they're trying to now. And I think it's, it's just critical that that happened. We've got to get all of this out of the Department of Defense and get it back under control of, well, I shouldn't say back, I don't think it ever was under control of Congress. Um, I think that there was an extremely limited number of people in Congress that had any idea about it. You know, Harry Reid yes. being an example of one who did.
1: long time. He, yeah. was, he was a proponent from the beginning saying, this has to be talked out about, this is real, and um, just kept banging the drum, please pay attention. And, there, I mean, if you want to read about him, do a Google search, if you're not familiar with who Harry Reid is, but he was from, uh, from the get-go saying that this is something we need to address and doing everything he could to be part of that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful to Harry Reid that he took the initiative to do that and got, got this ball rolling. Unfortunately, there are still people uh, who are trying to obstruct and obfuscate the information and divert people's attention away from this. Um, And a good example of that is something that I just finished listening to minutes ago with an interview with Admiral Bobby Ray Inman, who, if people want to look him up, you know, you will find out that he is, he's a man who would have definite knowledge about all of this, but denies it all. Still to this day on this day, this, Bobby Ray Inman is saying that, you know, basically move on. There's nothing to this. And, you know, it's such a disappointment that there are still people who have either are still in the Department of Defense or like him. He's been retired from from the Navy, but um, would have known a great deal about this. And he's just denying it all, you know. So there are still forces out there that are trying to move us back in the other direction, uh, away from people becoming aware and grasping the implications of all of this, which are huge, um, and trying to keep us mired in ignorance. And I, I find it just appalling, really, that Admiral Bobby Ray Inman has done done this, and hopefully, uh, there are those that are still fighting for the truth that will overcome these obstacles.
1: Some of it, you know, with uh, David uh, Rich Greer, Dr. Stephen Greer, um, he's been trying to get this information out for at least maybe what one, two decades, and he's always said that there are certain elements that prefer that this stuff stays. Clandestine and that it never becomes public for whatever reason. But he's been one of the people who's organized events and activities for people to try and make contact. Ce five contact. Yeah, and right. you,
0: I, we, we Well, talked. now, now we know that uh, Admiral Bobby Ray Inman is on that team that he's he's referring to that doesn't want this information out.
1: Well, at least we can identify one.
0: Yeah, yeah, we definitely know who one of them is now for sure.
1: Well, I wanted to get into that too. I mean, going back to the nuclear thing and bringing up the UFOs, there have been times when—and this is what's so fascinating—and I think Robert Salas, who talked about knowing when they were—they shut down the missile silos. Do you have the information uh-huh. on that? because that I I want to bring that up too—that they shut them down.
0: Right, ten of them. Yeah, at his you know at his launch control facility, um, and there were. There have been lots of others, you know, lots of others.
1: Well, there's something that is about that issue, that there's another element here that might be able to intervene. It's just how many times are they going to intervene?
0: Yeah, uh, or if they will intervene. You know, I, I'm i not confident that they would. I know a lot of people have that opinion that if there was a global nuclear war that they would intervene. You know, I guess I would say I hope that they would, but I'm not Confident that they would, because I think uh, you know we we all agree that the laws of evolution basically uh, favor survival of the fittest, and if a, if, a, if an intelligent civilization is willing to pull the trigger on something like that, then how could they be described as being fit in any any description of being fit? Uh, either in, with, in, in the realm of intelligence or in the realm of ethics, uh, morals, uh, I would say that we would be found severely lacking in, in all of those categories if we let something like that happen and pulled that trigger ourselves. So would they intervene? I don't know. If I was them, I don't think I would. I think I'd just move on to the next planet <laughs> that might uh, ha- harbor intelligent life and see what happens there. You know?
1: Ugh, well, I'd hate to think that a, a, a two or three bad apples could spoil the whole thing for all of us, but yeah. The, the- uh, you
0: know, that's a great point, Wendy, and it's just I think if you, if you look at humanity at large, I, my belief is that most of the citizens out there are good people that would give you the shirt off their, their back if you needed it, but you get some of these bad players, these narcissistic, greedy, power-hungry uh, amoral people who get into these positions of power. And we've seen this happen, you know, back in World War II. And um, the destruction that they can create on this planet is just beyond belief.
1: What I have seen in this whole drama playing out, and we're insulated in the United States, we're insulated from it, but watching the, and knowing the background, the journalists in Russia... Any independent channel that did not spout the, the the agenda, the the line was basically silenced and those journalists are now I think Mother um, motherboard is trying to organize the one of the independent stations, all of those journalists to give them a platform. But the main station that is the the voice of the state, one of the producers, the female producer went behind The announcer, the newscaster, with a sign that said "No War, Stop War." That person, I saw that. That is a those kind of actions from people who have no power but have a a tremendous ability to interrupt or disrupt what's happening. That took tremendous courage, and they're still. Oh my God! Yeah. So I'm watching those people, thinking, "This is where we live." These are are examples of people who are willing to go forward at all costs and she said it was the right thing to do she could not watch what was happening without doing something
0: you know the, the courage of that woman is just my my hat is off to her I, you know i read somewhere that she's the mother of two kids yeah you know that lady has a lot to lose but yet she like you said you know she she uh, mustered the courage because of her ethics and her belief in in a better world, you know, that she, she would love to see for her children. And so she did what she did. And I just, my heart goes out to her. And I just admire that kind of courage that um, people will step up and do something like that. It's just beyond belief. I, I don't know if I would have that kind of courage, you know.
1: Absolutely. Until it happens, I don't think any of us know. And I'm not sure that she did before she did that either. But watching and knowing what was happening, as a journalist, as a broadcaster, as a media person, you have sometimes access to information that that the public doesn't have. And so you're constantly Mm -hmm. looking for leads. You're constantly trying to see, is there another angle? How can I tap into this? And so they knew, I'm sure. With the other organizations out there that were being shut down and silenced, that the story that they were being told—they had to tell at all costs—wasn't correct. And so that part of it is: how do you, in your own soul, your own mind, go forward with that kind of information, knowing it isn't—it isn't just you; it's a whole—it's yeah. a whole country that you are leading down that path. So I think well, we're seeing I know this. Her,
0: I know that her first name was is uh, Marina, and I would just like to say thank you, Marina, for what you did, thank you for your courage, and um, may we find the courage, uh, many of us uh, here in the United States and in Russia and in Ukraine, to defeat this man and get this chapter behind us and move on to a more peaceful world where we can uh, hopefully one day engage with these These beings, whoever they are, wherever they're coming from, they're observing all of this. And hopefully one day we will get to a point where we can interact with them in a transparent and peaceful way and and learn things from them that will be of immense benefit to to not only our civilization, but to the planet as a whole, you know.
1: There's something, I watched the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, and this is something that, you know, before it's been five minutes till midnight, which means the end of the world, Armageddon. Um, And that was like, oh my gosh, we're five minutes away. This is 100 seconds as of January of this year. 100 seconds to midnight, saying this is the closest we have ever been to uh, pushing the button on the end of our existence. And saying, you know, we have to think about this proactively of... This is our planet, and something of this magnitude with a nuclear weapon or multiple nuclear weapons, as if they're all set to blow, um, it puts the end to humanity and it, not just us. We haven't really considered how difficult it will be to survive when there's no, and you're, we're seeing that with the wheat harvest, with all of the, I mean, the, the um, as far as I've Red Ukraine and Russia are they provide a lot of the wheat, which, with all of this going on, that will disrupt the wheat supplies for many countries, which means bread, you know, basic staples. These kinds of things have a larger influence and impact. And until something like this happens, we're really not clued in to how fragile our entire existence is on this planet when this kind of thing comes into play. So maybe we needed to see it,
0: yes. Yeah yeah well it's uh we do need to we do need to wake up and realize that you know civilization is not a given you know it's a a fine line between that and just utter chaos you know so uh we should be i think we are the de facto stewards of planet earth and to think that we've set up the situation that we could just burn it to the ground in a matter of a few minutes is just unbelievable
1: i want to know what you thought before you met jesse marcel jr about ufos and ets and all of that what 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 did you believe
0: i, did, I think before i met uh, jesse i didn't really think about it too much you know i, I might have had um, something happen when i was a kid because i probably six or seven years old i one day I came out into the uh, breakfast room and asked my mom and dad, you know, did you all see the UFO last night? And my mom remembered that. And she, she was talking to me a couple of years ago. She's 93 years old now. And she was talking with me a couple of years ago. And she asked me, do you remember that morning when you, when you came out uh, of your bedroom to the breakfast table and asked us if we had seen that UFO? and i said well I, you know i kind of have a, a vague recollection of something that lit up my bedroom uh, one night and but but all of my memories of that are so foggy that i just don't don't really register anything um so did did something happen i don't know did is that where uh, i sort of got my first interest in this i don't know um, but I will say that I didn't really think much about UFOs before I met Jesse Marcel. But, you know, after I met him and knew him for so many years and realized, you know, this man, is he's not a liar. So what are you saying happened? And once you absorb that into your belief system, uh, I mean, it's not it becomes less of a belief and more just knowledge. You know, this this happened. Then. From there on it was just a matter of well what else have I been lied to about you know what else is there to know about this and uh, so I just dug into it more and more and when I read uh, Colonel Corso's book you know the day after Roswell that was another piece in the puzzle where I was like well this this man was a career intelligence officer in the army he had no reason to write this book and, and write a book full of lies. You know, what could he have possibly had to gain from writing what he did uh, unless it was simply just to tell the people the truth and that's what I think it that's what I think his intention was, and I think that's what he did.
1: There is so much information about you know Google YouTube whatever on UFOs and contactees and extraterrestrials and whether they exist or not and people are still I think um, in s- some circles shamed for or ostracized or the jokes, and I thought that would go away once the U.S. government and the Pentagon and, and the military started saying, yes, they're real, yeah, we're studying them, you know, and this is what we've got, and here are the videos. I thought that might go away, but there is still a stigma attached to this. And I am hoping that what you are doing and others like you are doing is helping to raise the awareness and reduce the stigma. Because with this, and then we go to Bobby Inman who says, oh, it's all a bunch of bunk. Um, I am hoping that we will get past this and I'm just not sure exactly what the event is that will take us there. Do you have any ideas?
0: Um well I mean, you know, there certainly could be these others. I call them the others in my book because I I don't refer to them as extraterrestrials or ultra terrestrials or interdimensionals or uh, you know, time travelers or what whatever they are, whoever they are. Uh, we don't really know, you know, but we just know they're real and they're here. And so it's certainly in their purview to in this set of lies that we've been fed for years and years and years. You know, they could do it in one day if they wanted to. Um, and maybe they will. You know, I, I keep hearing uh, from the likes of Christopher Mellon, for example, saying that uh, these interactions with our, our U.S. military pilots um, are happening almost on a daily basis. So there seems to be some ramping up of the pressure uh, from the others on uh, the pressure being uh, exerted on our Department of Defense to come clean with the people about this, you know, and it seems that that's how they're doing it is pressuring the military, interrupting their training uh, exercises. Um, and, you know, so if they've stepped up to doing this, what's the next escalation, escalation going to be? Uh, because I, I think that this is maybe not super new, but I think, this has been within the past few years that they've been talking about this. That these instances of, you know, zooming our jet aircraft or hovering around our uh, carrier navy uh, carrier strike groups um, seems to be seems to be a, a a new level of pressure being put on the military to move in a, in a different direction with this. So I suppose, you know, the next escalation could be something like uh, them hovering over the White House and not moving from that position. You know, Uh, that's that's that would do it, wouldn't it?
1: Personally, I hope they hover over Russia and stop those nukes.
0: That would be awesome. <laughs> that would right be now, awesome. that's
1: the PowerPoint, okay?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, well, the other thing, too, is I wanted to get into, we talked about you had taken a picture I saw on the Internet, of course, you know, doing all my lovely searching and stuff, I saw that you had uh, taken a picture of UFO. And then, yeah. well, this is what happens to the best of us when we think we've got something really cool. What happened with that?
0: So it was a, uh, a very... Uh, convincing to me picture of what what was a UFO I had you know I had this website crop circles research org and on that website I put messages I was thinking you know maybe I can communicate with this be- these beings uh, the others through the internet uh, they are they're up there they they might intercept signals that are sent back and forth to satellites so maybe they might intercept this and and come to my cameras that I had mounted. And I put the latitude, the longitude of the cameras. Please come here and have your a very clear photo of your craft taken. Uh, so we'll have convincing evidence that you exist. You know, this is prior to 2017. And one day, you know, I'm checking. I, Wendy, I went through probably close to half a million photographs of things that were, you know, that would trigger the camera could be, I had, I had them set at a very sensitive um, setting so that they would be triggered easily. And I got, you know, bugs, stink bugs, bees, squirrel tails, um, trees <laughs> moving in the wind, you know,
1: yeah, tails.
0: thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures. And then one day, bam, I got this one and I was like, holy shit, this looks like a UFO. Mm-hmm. And so I, I made the, the picture public as much as I could, saying, you know, thinking, this, this was a successful mission. You know I, I communicated with them through the Internet. They responded, and they came to my cameras, and they allowed a very clear, distinct picture of their craft. Well, once I put that out there online, of course, I started getting responses from people who were much more had a lot more expertise in photography than I did. And they said, I think that's a, a raindrop. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's no way it's a raindrop. It's shaped like a, an ovoid, you know, it's not around. Uh, it doesn't look like a teardrop. It looks, it was kind of flattened. And, um, you know, thin, just like you would expect the shape of a classic flying saucer. And, um, and I, I was like, there's no way this is a raindrop. Well, turns out that I got enough of these responses and I thought, you know, I've really got to prove to myself that this is what I think it is. So when the snow and ice had cleared off of the rooftop that I had to go up on to test with drops of water that I dripped in front of the camera and Wendy, every drop that I dropped looked exactly like a UFO. So they were right. You know, it was it was a raindrop that my camera caught, and of course it was embarrassing to me. Um, I did retract it on my website, but apparently a lot of people didn't see that. But what I thought was a UFO turned out to be simply a raindrop, and you know, um, it was an honest mistake. I wasn't trying to deceive anybody. Um, but that's what it was. And so it's, the lesson to be learned here is be careful about what you interpret as verification of anything that has to do with the subject of UFOs. You know, be very circumspect about stuff that other people put up. Um, check it out. Be skeptical. Um, because stuff like this can happen, even not on purpose, but um, yeah. So that's, the, that's the lesson to be learned for me. It was anyway, it's just be careful, um, you know, try to corroborate with further experimentation. Um, don't jump to conclusions about any of this.
1: I think that's a part of it in, in a wider, uh, how do I put this? When people have experiences, there, there is a telepathic contact. I have had that. And it said, go look up. I didn't see anything. I saw butterflies. I saw clouds. And so my telepathic response, oh, is that what you are? Yes, that's what we are. And it kept saying yes. And I'm thinking, okay, this is just, uh, I'm being played with. My husband came home and he said, did you see that over the house? And it looked like a star, but it was the wrong time of day for a star. And I said, no, but I was told to look up, go outside and look up. I never looked up that high. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I thought it wow. would be, you know, tree level or something like I had no idea what I was looking for. But it was a telepathic thing that said, go do this. And so uh-huh. that's what I responded to. And then when he came home and said, do you see that thing over the house? And I went out and I took a picture and it looks like a little tiny, you know, white pin at, in, the, in the picture. There is nothing to see except this little white teeny tiny dot. So I can't prove anything. But knowing that I had that prompt. And then another time I took a picture of a star. I thought it was a red star. I thought it was Mars. Yeah, I thought, well, this is really cool. And I, took, I was, took the picture, and then it flashed back and blinked at me. And I don't mean wow. just blink. I mean blink, 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 blink. And I'm like, whoa. I don't know what it was. Uh-huh. So these things yeah. happen. And I still, I don't have evidence. I have an experience yeah. that I can say. There's something going on. And we are supposed to. Question: we are supposed to think twice about what we assume about our reality in my opinion but I'm not going to go out and try and convince anybody else I'm just going to say this is what happened and this is how it happened and why I have an opinion about there's more to it than just what we're looking at there's also a sense of feeling and interaction that comes along with this does that make sense yeah
0: absolutely it does you know I have you know one one Last thing I'd like to say, I know that we're probably running out of time here, but I was sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in right now talking to you, sitting in my study at my desk at my computer one Saturday morning. This was probably five years ago and nobody else in the room. The doors closed. My wife was downstairs cleaning. Um, Nobody else in the house, just she and I. I hear a very clear voice that says there will be judges. And I spun around in this chair. And I looked to see who is in the room talking to me. And there's not another person in this room. Now, you know, I don't take drugs. I drink very little alcohol. Um, I had a very responsible job. I never have heard voices I have no psychiatric history. Uh, I don't never seen a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You know, I've always felt that I was a very grounded person, and yet this event took place. This happened, and I heard there will be judges. Now it was left to me to determine what, what was that and what did it mean? I still today, of course. I have to guess at that. But at that time, as I am now, I was interested in this nexus between nuclear weapons and these others. And so my conclusion, at least at this point in my life is it has to do with that. And I don't know, you know, where to go with that other than to think that, you know, they're, they're watching, and they're, they're making judgments about what's going on down here.
1: Okay, I'm going to just suggest John Foster UFOs.com. This man was uh-huh. an engineer. He did not have any conscious memory of contact until 1986, and when he did, they already they had warned him that if he chose to get out of the program, so to speak then he would have some health issues as a result because it would be a shock to his system. He did. He had three heart attacks. He now has a third of his heart left, but he's in his 80s, and he still maintains his website. And on the website, um, he talks about, you know, you can, you can read the books that he's, he has done books. He has images. He's drawn because he's a, an engineer. He has these very wonderful drawings of the ships, the crafts that he experienced, and he had the memories of them being present and him interacting with them, and then having those memories you weren't allowed to remember, and other people who were involved, and the things that he was shown about our future, which right now, that future is coming into play. He shares it on his website. What he says, the men spoke in a human, normal human voice, and when the unseen voice spoke, it was a rich male voice speaking in perfect English. The information yeah. he had what? from them said that if they hadn't interfered in the past, we would have destroyed ourselves. And if they don't interfere now and in the future, we will destroy, our, destroy ourselves again. So that's an inkling of what from a contactee who says um, he doesn't know. In some ways, he wish he'd never had the memory that he, you know, but at the same time, he has all those memories that. The, of that contact of things happening when other people were frozen in place and he watched things happen around him. So I'm just thinking mm. that correlates to your saying there will be judges. We are being watched. Yeah. We are being watched. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, this description certainly fits what I experienced. You know, it was a very clear voice. Um, I would call it sort of androgynous. You know, I wouldn't call it computer type voice. You know, it just and very clearly, perfect English, and um, you know, I was just like, "What was that?" Because I've never experienced anything like that before or since, um, and it was shocking to me at the time. Um, very surprising, but definitely something that that happened.
1: And see, I think that's fascinating in terms of you know why that statement and. Right now, it may be that that's what's coming into play, that that's you're remembering it now, we're speaking about it now, the thing about John that I chose this page at this time for no reason except that I am familiar with John, and I, I thought, well, and there I'm staring at this thing when it says it spoke perfect English, and you're telling me there it was in the room. So these things, I don't think they're coincidence. I think they are threads in the timeline, and when we're supposed to have information, it comes to us as we need it. So here we are, with Russia just seconds away from doing something that none of us want to see, and how do we go forward? We're going to yeah. find out.
0: Yes, yes. Well, we have to stay courageous. To well, speak okay. our truth.
1: Absolutely. And your book, uh, the when I'm looking at the reviews here, are impressive. <laughs> On oh, Amazon, good. yeah, you have got some good reviews. Um Great. So nuclear, this is uh, UFOs, nuclear weapons, and a new age of reason. And, again, uh, if you're interested, what you have uh, advised and encouraged is to get the Kindle, the ebook, because it has all the links that are active, and I think that's, that's a good way to go. It's nice to have the links because you're immediately in, in touch, yeah. in tune with the information. Is there anything else you'd like to
0: add? Uh, no, just uh, I think, you know, doing what you're doing is a great thing. It's going to help. So keep up the good work.
1: Oh, thank you. We didn't get into your crop circles, and I like that. That's like darned, darned. Um, do you want? To- I, I
0: would just say that um, if people will read the book, in the book they'll find an analysis of five different crop circles that I think are um, amazing. You know, they're amazing, and the information to be gleaned from those five crop circles is definitely worth reading the book. In fact if they want to just skip the rest of the book and read the chapters about the crop circles, I think that they will find them fascinating. Oh yeah.
1: Okay. That's not fair. That is totally (laughs) not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, How do we put this? I'm going to put this a tease at the beginning. All right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. The book, we're talking about nuclear weapons and UFOs and all that, but the real, the real stuff, the, the gold is the crop circle information at the end of the book.
0: (laughs) It's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's pretty interesting.
1: Okay. Well, okay. Just narrow it down to one. Just narrow it down to one and give me a tease.
0: Uh, Well, um, you know, the, well, the crabwood crop circle is the one that um, I start off with and uh, go through, through all of that, you know, the message that was in the crabwood uh, crop circle, but, Kind of go a lot deeper than just that message. I don't know if you're familiar with that.
1: I, I don't off the top of top I don't I I need to see it.
0: Well, the the message in it was beware the bearers of uh, false gifts and their yes. broken promises. Much pain, but still time. Believe there is good out there. We oppose deception. That was basically the message in the crop circle. Okay, that was written in binary code and if people aren't familiar with that they need to look it up it is just unbelievable you know but um another crop circle that i go into is the uh, white sheet hill crop circle and how it is a representation of graphene and it shows the the um, electrochemical properties of graphene And graphene, if you're not aware, is a, is a molecule that is completely composed of carbon in a single molecular layer that's arranged in hexagons that sort of look like chicken wire. And graphene, because of its, uh, the way it is constructed and the way the electrons are arranged in the molecule, um, it has some very unique properties as far as electrical conduction is concerned, and so um, a lot of this information is embedded in this White Sheet Hill um, crop circle, and so there's a, a detailed description of 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 that in in the in that chapter on White Sheet Hill, and then there was uh, the Ammersee Lake crop circle that occurred in bavaria just a few years ago it what it is is it's a representation of the large hadron collider so you know when people look at crop circles they tend to go wow that's that's a pretty pretty um piece of art and they appreciate it from the artistic end but A lot of people don't look deeply enough into these to realize that they convey real information, um, important information. And so the book sort of helps people um, understand that particular aspect of crop circles. But it also helps you know why some of these crop circles are not being created by human beings. And it gives very good evidence as to why that cannot be. So you know that all all crop circles are created by human beings um, I think it gives a very convincing argument for why that cannot be just just those chapters on the crop circles I think are worth the price of the book.
1: I like the John Lennon quote that you use and oh yeah yeah okay you don't have it memorized, do you
0: uh, I don't. I know the gist of it, but no, you could go ahead and read it, because people should, should know that.
1: Okay, I got it in front of me now. If the masses started to accept UFOs, it would profoundly affect their attitudes toward life, politics, everything. It would threaten the status quo. Whenever people come to realize that there are larger considerations than their own lives, they are ripe to make radical changes on a personal level, which would lead to a political revolution in society as a whole. And that's John Lennon. Yeah, And I think that's what we saw with Marina there. That was her name, Marina?
0: Marina, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm hoping we see more of that.
0: She's a hero, you know.
1: Richard O'Connor, author of UFOs, Nuclear Weapons, and a New Age of Reason. Also the, what, organizer, owner, proprietor for the Jesse Marcel Library?
0: Yeah, kind of the director. Yeah.
1: Okay, director, <laughs> the official yep. title. And um, I'll post some links on the description for this show along with some YouTube videos and that. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you so much, Wendy. It's a pleasure talking with you.
1: Wendy's Coffee House about my interview with UFO experiencer John Foster. This information didn't make it into the interview about the birth of his daughter, Kendra. There was a Native American woman who came up to him and repeated comments that she would help their people at some time in the future. He did ask her, what the spirits that talked to her looked like. And she said, it was like a disc or a light hovering over the campfire. And she said, the voice spoke from the light or the disc. And as it turned out, he said, Kindred produced an educational video for the Nebraska tribes about the oral traditions of the tribes. And having that indication that the Native Americans were tuned in to Kindred's birth and then talked to him because of a resulting ET UFO experience is fascinating. Kindra didn't bring that up during our conversation. And so what does she think about the reception to all of that information? To all of those people out there who think it's a bunch of baloney, I think maybe what I want to say is it's okay to think it's baloney. You can start from that premise. Scientific process allows you to
0: start by thinking that things aren't going to come out right with your thesis. But keep an open mind because we know that things aren't you know, in every
1: aspect of life, things are not what we think they are.
0: Our scientific criteria may be different than what we've thought it was for the last several hundred years.
1: The interviews with Kendra and John Foster are in the Coffee House archive at Wendy'sCoffeeHouse.com.